and needing help of the Lord in speaking and in hearing, we would direct your prayerful attention to the chapter we read, Acts chapter 12, and uh, we look at verse 16, and really that first clause, which is just the four words there, Acts chapter 12, verse 16, but Peter continued knocking. And the whole verse reads, but Peter continued knocking, and when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Oh, we seek with the Lord's help to perhaps open the word up in three separate ways. Firstly, friends, that we might look at the background here of this wonderful deliverance of Peter. That we might be able, in looking at the background here, consider our own impossible matters in soul and providence. Then, friends, to think of this knocking and that we might be helped to knock on in prayer and finally, friends, to see the Lord Jesus Christ in these things in a saving way as the Lord himself knocks at the heart of a poor sinner and really in that sense that we see uh, Peter here as a type of Christ. And so, friends, uh, we would come then to consider a little of the background. Herod was like many leaders, even that we see in the world today. They want to man-please. They want to do that which here the Jews uh, would have been pleased with, which is some of the followers uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ, at this time now, this would have been after, obviously, the death of Jesus, but these followers, they uh, were close Christian followers of him, and he, uh, the Jews wanted, in a way, to see them uh, come to grief. And indeed, we read only in the second verse that James, the brother of John, had been killed with the sword. And so, because it pleased the Jews... Herod proceeds further in what he thinks he's going to do. And isn't man proud in so many ways? You know, friends, we've had this record-breaking summer. And you hear man saying, well, this is all down to this and it's all down to that and we're destroying the universe and all these things. And we must do this and we must do that. But there is no looking unto God in these things. And man is making his wisdom and his judgment and basically he wants to please other man because they want to, as it were, have this green agenda. Now I'm not saying that's necessarily a wrong thing, but you just see men wants to please man all the time. Now, with Herod, of course, this is a different thing. It was more dramatic. But nonetheless, we all in our flesh want to be men-pleasers. But God has the ultimate say. God is in control. 
And what a sign there is of it in this wonderful deliverance. But you see, friends, Herod in some ways was unsure here. Why was he unsure? He put Peter in prison. But look at it. There's four quaternions of soldiers. That means four soldiers, four separate lots of four. And they would have no doubt done a six-hour shift and they would have all kept a very close eye on Peter. And not only, and, and the intention was to keep him in prison so that after Easter, or you will find the margin says Passover, because this was the time of the Passover. But after that, to bring him forth to the people and to say, look, we're now going to destroy this man too. But Peter was therefore kept in prison. Uh, but how beautiful is this clause in verse 5? And friends, it exhorts us to look at that corporate prayer of the church. That, in other words, not just prayer of individuals. Yes, it is prayer of individuals, but prayer of the church together and uh, different churches. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. That prayer without ceasing. So friends, uh, in a sense there's that encouragement in our word to pray individually, but there is that encouragement to pray collectively, I mean of course in the prayer meetings, but also to pray for the same thing as a collective group and yet in a sense individually, yet still part of that group because we know others are praying with the same theme. And it is wonderful when we feel that it's rather like the couplet says, uh, power, uh, the force of their united cries, power can no longer withstand. Almighty God, seeing the prayers coming up from various different ones. And so here prayer was made without ceasing. Beautiful, without ceasing. Yes. And then you see when Herod would have brought him forth. Herod's timing, Herod's plan to be put, uh, to be thwarted by Almighty God. And Herod was even more anxious than the four quaternions of soldiers. We now read that Peter's having to sleep between two of them and he's bound with two chains. Talk about making deliverance utterly and totally impossible to the human eye. And friends, you know, in our dead estate spiritually, we have been sleepers uh, between two chains, the chain of sin and the chain of death. And we need them loosened. And only God can loosen those chains. But... You see, naturally, there were those chains. And you will have your matters today uh, in providence, in the family, in, in, in various different matters in your life where there seem to be chains round about these matters, where it seems the door cannot be opened, the way cannot be unlocked. You are, you are stuck in by chains. You are bound down by them. And the Lord brings us into these places that seem uh, that there's utterly, totally no way of coming out from them. Well, that's where Peter was. 
But in God's time, he knew the time that he would need to deliver him. We read in verse 7, the angel of the Lord came upon him and a light shined in the prison. Do you remember the day when a light shone in your heart? Do you remember the day when you believed that darkness that was there is now changed by the, the light of the Lord Jesus Christ revealing himself to you, poor sinner? Wonderful, isn't it, when the light goes on? I know naturally they call it a light bulb moment, but my dear friends, don't we remember this? Time when the Lord shone in, perhaps for the first time, and it may be we were shown a little of our sins, and, he, he, and as he shone in, there was such fear in our heart. Because we saw the chain of sin, and we realised that it would take us uh, through the chain of eternal death into hell. But anyway, the light shone, shined in the prison. There was no waking of the enemy. There was no waking of the guards. How wonderful, the keeping power of Almighty God, that the enemy could not touch him. You know, we think of uh, the three Hebrew children in the fire, and it slew the very, the king was angry. There was a fourth there, like unto the Son of Man, and the king was so angry that he asked the fire to be heated several times more and it even slew the men that were put that, that put them in there but you see the wonderful thing was that there was that presence of the fourth there this is the god whom we hope and do believe we serve friends and he's no different in august 2022 than, than he was in ad uh, 50 52 uh, that this would have been no, friends. Yes, uh, it's a wonderful thing to consider this. The same God reigneth and sits upon the throne. Well, as we try to follow through a little of this background to help us before the text, we, we come to this word. The angel said unto uh, we rise up quickly. And we read this lovely word. And friends, what a blessing it would be if some of those chains that are around us, uh, those things that trouble us in providence and grace were to fall off even this day. And his chains fell off from his hands. They just fell off the chains, the power of Almighty God. The angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And wouldn't that be a beautiful thing if we put on the sandals of faith this day to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Those sandals... Uh, that are fit, uh, friends, they're fit for each of our feet, and they're just right. This is, it's this, thy shoes, or in this case sandals, but thy shoes should be iron and brass. And as thy day, so shall thy strength be. The wonderful blessing uh, uh, of the Lord to his dear people, these promises, friends, we may not feel them at the moment, but we can plead them. We can keep knocking for the promises, can't we? There's nothing in here that tells us that, that prevents us from doing that. Well, they, and he said, cast thy garment about thee and follow me. He went out, followed him, and so on. He didn't realise at this stage that which was being done. He, he was in a trance, really. 
Well, they went past the guards and they came to the iron gate. Prayer can force a passage through iron bars and brazen gates. When the Lord's people have need, his goodness will find out a way. Oh, you and me with our lack of faith, friends. Well, so the gate opened of his own accord. The door to open before you without you doing anything for it, friends. You don't know what the Lord will do. You know, you walk to those doors in these places, aren't they? Aren't they good? You walk towards the door, it's an automatic door and it just opens and you go through. I've set before thee an open door and no man can shut it. It's so beautiful, you know. When, But you see, we have to approach the automated door till it senses we're there. And this is prayer, friends, for a matter that we approach the door that the Lord then opens it, whether it be the door of his mercy or whether it be the door of his deliverance we have to approach before the censor knows naturally so it is spiritually to approach uh, his throne of grace humbly as helped and so uh, when Peter was come to himself Oh, we, we've jumped there slightly. Then, it, then we read the gate open. They went through one street. The angel didn't leave him immediately. How beautiful. Didn't leave him immediately. Wanted to be sure that he was safely away. What a kind and gracious God we are. He goes one street further, friends, than what we realise. So much in this. You know... Oh, we would be softened under it. And then, forthwith, once he passed on through one street, forthwith the angel departed from him. And then Peter was come to himself. But the Lord hasn't stopped off helping him because he firstly acknowledges that the Lord sent his angel and has delivered me out of the hand of Herod. And then he goes on in verse 12, when he considered the thing, he, he makes the right decision as led of the Lord to go to the house of Mary where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door, the damsel came, and she said, she, she doesn't, we, we, obviously she heard the knocking, but it was Peter's voice, he must have called out. And friends, I wondered as I read this, I wonder what did dear Peter call out? We don't know, do we? But he called out, she heard his voice, and she was so struck by it. And so delighted to hear it, the answer to prayer. But she ran in and told how Peter stood at the gate, before the gate. And this, friends, doesn't this say so much about you and me in our prayer life? This, when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness. She ran in and told them, and this, they said unto her, thou art mad. The very thing they were gathered in prayer, praying for him, thou art mad. Yes, but she constantly affirmed it was so. How long was poor Peter left there waiting? We know not and do not read, but it must have been some time while she deliberated with them. And they said it's his angel, but this lovely word, 
that we come to then of our text. And friends, I realised it's been a long introduction, but there's some wonderful thoughts in that. Not of mine, but I mean in the word here that the Lord brings out. But this beautiful word then, but Peter continued knocking. And I believe this, because she'd gone back in, because he still wasn't fully 100% safe, he was in the street, I believe his knocking would have become more urgent. I believe his knocking would have been more determined. I believe his knocking would have been done with more natural power and might, as one might say. And friends, in prayer, uh, there are those times of real urgent prayer. The hymn writer says, Mine's an urgent pressing case. Do not turn away thy face. And so it is at times, both in circumstantial and soul matters. Uh, we sang in our, in our first hymn of, of God's mercy. And indeed, how we need it when we're brought to that need of his mercy, you know. There is that time that we have to uh, prove this. The door of thy mercy stands open all day to the poor and the needy who knock by the way. Now, Peter here was amongst the poor and needy in that sense because he needed a refuge from the street and he needed to be with his friends. But... And he needed that full deliverance. Friends, are you poor and needy? Because if you are, and I do hope you know what it is to be poor and needy, I don't mean financially, you know that. In spiritual things, it may be, it is financially, it may be there are those uh, that are listening that do tremble when they look at the winter of discontent or whatever you might term it ahead that we know we have with the energy bills and inflation and all the rest. And friends, we must be up to date in our preaching. But nothing's changed with God that's on the throne. My times are in his hand. Oh, Lord, I leave them there. Friends, family and soul entirely to thy care. And so that will be knocking, leaving our times uh, in his hands, friends, in prayer. And uh, it, will, it will ever be the case uh, that he will have us to pray. Well, let us come on to the second part then of how we saw the word really, which is that uh, encouragement to continue in prayer. And it may be there's a particular matter, a particular exercise uh, spiritual or providential, you're carrying at the moment. And it may even be that the enemy, you see the enemy, is Herod here is the type of the enemy. And the enemy is very good with bounding us in the chains. And one of those chains also is unbelief. And oh, how tight that chain is. Blind unbelief is sure to her, though, says the hymn writer, scan his work in vain. God is his own interpreter. He will make it plain. Pray on, dear soul, in that matter, whatever it is. Oh, that you might be even like dear um, uh, Elijah's servant. Elijah was given such faith. He overcame uh, many concerns. He spoke to Ahab. He said to Ahab, who of course was... His enemy, wasn't he really? But he said to Ahab, get thee up, 
there's a sound of abundance of rain. Now Ahab could have said, what, Elijah? It's not rained for three and a half years. What are you on about? Get thee up, Ahab. Then he goes up into Mount Carmel and he takes with him the, um, his servant. Yes, go up, look toward the sea. Yes, looking for the sign of the cloud because the cloud naturally comes in, of course, does it not, from, from, from over the sea, comes in over land, looking for the cloud. Yes, wonderful, you know. I think when he says these words each time, I, I, what a discouragement that must have been in a way to Elijah. There is nothing. Three words, there is nothing. Friends, we had to speak from that in one place. There's nothing. And how often it is when we go to the throne of grace, it feels like this. There is nothing. No answer. The heavens are as brass. You see, there's no easy believism to get to heaven, is there? We, we can think, and I know in the early days, the Lord does encourage us often with answers to prayer. But it's when we come to those times, when we cry and shout, and there's a hymn that says it, really, covers it in a way. And it's, I think it's 749. And, and, it, and it says uh, that, that, that I cry and I hear a righteous man in deep distress complain. I call on God and cry and shout, but all my prayer he shutteth out. And that's how it can feel to be. And of course the enemy loves it when it's like that. that. This chain of unbelief, you see. Oh, we don't believe that God can hear and answer our prayers. We don't believe that he can do what is the very exercise of our heart. We come there. We will have our faith tested. We must have it tried. And so it is that we come into those situations. But, but, he said, go again seven times. Go on, dear friend, in prayer. That perfect number, when the Lord will appear, when the Lord will deliver, when the Lord will give you that answer of peace. Go again seven times. I read the story, an obituary of a lady that um, attended... um, I think it was St. Albans Chapel. Her name was Mrs. Whitbread. She attended the chapel and then later in life went to Clifton Chapel, but it doesn't matter where it was. And it was in the earlier part of the 19th century. But this, this lady, she really had a burden for her husband. He wasn't, she married someone who, he, he had, who was outside of uh, religion. He knew nothing about it and he had no desire for it whatsoever. And uh, she was so burdened over several years, many years indeed. And there was one day when she was really, really troubled and praying so much for him. And she realised that um, uh, that that was the day of their um, anniversary services. And she felt that she had such a desire to be there in the afternoon, but she couldn't go because she'd got no money. No money to, to put in and she said I can't go and not give to the collection oh what a gracious lady so friends once more she got on her knees in prayer and I don't know literally but 
She, she, and, and she begged that the Lord would, 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 if it was his will, that she would go hear the word and that she'd have some money to go with. Well, she had to go and get some coal from the cellar. She went down into the coal cellar and she thought she could see a gleam of something down there. So she, she got closer and looked at it and it was a coin. And it must have, her cellar was off the main street and it must have rolled down a grill. Oh, she was so encouraged. And now I can go to the service this afternoon. She went to the service. I don't know who was preaching or what it was, was said, but the text was this, thy prayer is heard. She said, I went on praying, but it was only two or three months later that her husband said to her one morning, I'm coming with you to chapel today. He was a policeman. He'd heard the Bible read before a court case. It touched his heart. The Lord moved him. It was a time that he should come. And friends, what's more, two years later, he went out into the ministry. God's work, God's answers to prayer. It so encouraged me when we see those things that feel to be so utterly impossible, and yet the Lord's people have seen them before, and they've seen those answers. And I believe you and I have, and we'll yet see them. But we need encouraging, don't we? To encourage one another in these things. And uh, so we would come and pray on. And you know, whilst we pray, we would remember one thing we we felt it as we started our prayer to this morning uh, amongst you. And that was, uh, uh, the, the word says continue in prayer. But it goes on and says this, watching the same with thanksgiving. And as we seek those things that we might ever remember to lay up before God, uh, uh, those prayers of thankfulness for the things that we do have. And... Uh, to praise and honour him in that way. Friends, I don't know about you, but I do feel to be shortcoming in that and pray that the Lord would help me to be thankful for those things. A beautiful word, you see, again, we, we come to Paul writing to the Philippians, because, uh, to the uh, uh, Thessalonians, because he says there, pray without ceasing. Yes, there's only three words in that verse. But the next verse says this, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything give thanks. Everything. Friends, it comes to mind, you know, I... I, I don't know if you've read The Hiding Place. It's a fascinating book, isn't it, uh, if you have read it, of those in the Second World War in Holland and um, um, that were imprisoned uh, and they were believers and uh, um, Betsy uh, was one of them. She was in her 50s. I think she died, actually, in... in, in uh, in I uh, uh, can't remember which um, uh, concentration camp it was, Ravensbrook possibly, I'm not sure, but she was there with her sister. And there was one day when they were, had been moved to these wooden rows of bunks, and, and amongst them uh, there were all uh, 
these um, ants. And you know, she said we need to give thanks to God for the ants. I'm thinking of this being thankful for everything. You know, her sister Corrie Ten Boom said to her, she said, you, I can't. She said, I cannot come that far and do that. And, and she couldn't. And yet she heard her sister giving thanks. What they didn't realise was that they'd got the word of God. They'd been able to um, uh, smuggle it in. It would have been taken by the guards. But, you know, they read from that every day. And that was the use uh, of saving many souls in that concentration camp. But the guards never came into their quarters to search and to take anything like that that they'd got. The reason was that they themselves didn't like all these ants. And so when, when Corrie came to see that, she said how she'd had to see the wisdom of Betsy in praying that the, that for the ants, give thanks for everything, everything, in everything, give thanks. Friends, what a lesson it was to me when I read that because we're very slow to do that. Continue knocking in thankfulness. Continue knocking in praise. Uh, continue knocking uh, over our sins, you know, friends, for forgiveness. Continually to knock uh, uh, at the door uh, uh, of his mercy. Yes, well, may you and I then be encouraged to continue knocking in these things. And then the third thing that was upon us uh, was, uh, and we felt this much, that Peter uh, being... Uh, as it were, that type of Christ here, that this encapsulates really the theme of Christ and uh, Jesus and how he knocks at the soul. Perhaps summed up beautifully in that lovely word in Revelation where he says this, um, Behold, I stand at the door. This is the door of your heart, sinner, the door of my heart. I stand at the door and knock. Knock. You see, there aren't many knocks in Scripture. There aren't many knocks and knocketh and knockings. There's only about ten you will find in the King James Version. Not many. But wherever they are, they seem to be such an important word. And here he says, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, the door of his heart, I will come into him. And we'll sup with him and he with me. And friends, I believe it's like this. The Lord gives us no choice but to open the door of our heart. To welcome him in when we would have rejected him. And when in the past our flesh would have turned him aside. No. Oh, we welcome him. And friends, we do. I stand at the door and knock. And you see, he's knocking. I believe he's the same as Peter's. I believe there have been, there are those knocks. Maybe there's those things that things maybe in our life started to go wrong and we think, why is this? Is it God's work beginning to show to us? Or maybe it is different with each case. We need to be careful with some. They're suddenly shown their sins. But whatever it is, there's that knocking. The voice of God. It's only the sheep that hear that voice and know that knock. Satan knocks at the heart 
and he has the soul bound in chains of the world. How sad it is. But those chains will be cut by the Lord Jesus Christ in his salvation. And, friends, they will only be finally cut, but they're loosened. All the life of a Christian, the chain is being loosened and prepared for glory. And then, when they're finally, because we'll have sin until our dying hour, but then, then, finally, the chain is loosened and we'll be like that. And his chains fell off from his hands. Peter continued knocking. The Lord Jesus continually knocks at the hearts. Now for some, such as the dying thief, that knock is done and finished quickly. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. For others, that knock is over a long period. And I tell you this, friends, if you're anything like me, you know we need constant knocking to bring us back of the Lord Jesus, to bring us from Bypath Meadow, to bring us from the wanderings, to bring us from the other way that we would all e- easily go in. Yes. Well, he gives us a desire after him. Uh, you know, uh, that beautiful word, I'm coming to my God and my sister, that where Christ makes his church, he waketh the church with his calling. Yes. And... Um, and then the church answers, I sleep. That's like Peter. He was asleep between the chains of death, you could say, and hell. And there we are, I, I sleep. But this, spiritually, my heart waiteth, waketh. It is the voice of my beloved that knocketh. Friends, it's wonderful when he knocks again. Those knocks are sometimes in providence. Something goes wrong. But he brings us to pray about it, whereas we hadn't prayed before. Those knocks are in grace, where he shows us again that we've fallen. Maybe we've been a little, uh, how can I put it, uh, not quite right with something we've said. Maybe we've hurt somebody in something we've said. And it's a sin, uh, and he's knocked and showed us our sin. Or some other sin that he showed, something we thought Something that others would be aghast to think has even gone through our mind. Yes, it's the voice of my beloved that knocketh. Yes, because if you didn't know the conviction of sin, if you didn't know the beauties of salvation, as you have had revealed to you, dear friends, and those that haven't, may they have it. You see, if we didn't know a little of these things, we wouldn't realise it was the Lord knocking again. Knocking again. Wonderful favour that he knocks in our heart. Well, open, to, and we say this, open to me, my sister, my love. Uh, the, the, the voice of my beloved that knocketh, asking us to open our heart to him. For my head is filled with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. How beautiful it is. The Song of Solomon's deep book, friends, isn't it? But, oh, you see that knocking, that knocking. Oh, I believe every soul will know what it is who's going to glory to have had that knocking, to have had that turning, to have had that moving unto them. Yes. Oh, friends. So that beautiful aspect of the word of God. But, you know, oh, I love that word regarding King Asa. And I do think it's... um, uh, that one spoke to him. A spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded, 
And, and, and he says this, the Lord is with you while ye be with him. This is about constancy of prayer, you see. While we're praying, the Lord is with us while we be, we're with him in prayer, that means. And if ye seek him, he will be found of you. But, sad, isn't it? So often this is the case. But if ye forsake him, he will forsake you. Well, and it goes on to say, when they, that's Israel, in their trouble, did turn unto the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found of them. Yes, he was found of them. May we be helped to lay before him these things. You know, friends, I tried to speak from the same word to the dear friends in Australia this morning, early morning. I got up just before five o'clock. Two minutes past five, I had a text message. Would you believe it, friends? From someone who had been praying about an affliction. And the Lord was granting them some signs of deliverance. I felt such an encouragement that we must bring the word about prayer and the wonders that God alone can do. Friends, he is a performing God and he will yet come. And I know you and I, we feel like this. The vision is far off, but it's lovely, uh, really, when we think of that beautiful word, what is it? Uh, the vision is yet for an appointed time. Though it tarry, wait for it. These beautiful words. For it will surely come. It will not tarry. In God's time, it will come. And uh, we've also looked at that lovely hymn, 893, which you can read afterwards. But it, it says this, He tarries off till men are faint. And comes at evening late. He hears and will relieve complaint. Tis ours to pray and wait. Well, may the Lord help us with these few things. And may we take the word away and ponder over it. But Peter continued knocking. Amen.